0: So Money, episode 1234, dating and relationship expert Sammy Wunder.
1: You're listening to So Money with award winning money guru Farnoosh Tarabi. Each day, get a 30 minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh yourself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life. Welcome to So Money. It doesn't really matter so much whether women are making more or men are making more. Sometimes you have men who are making far more than the woman and they still tend to be stingy and controlling around money. So I tell my clients, you must uh, make sure that he has an energy of generosity.
0: Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today, we're discussing love and money with the leading international dating and relationship coach, Sammy Wunder. We're going to talk about some of the power dynamics that come into play in modern day hetero relationships, why it's important to strive for equality in your partnership. But according to Sammy, the rules are different when dating, or at least they should be. She's got some interesting perspectives about who should pay, who should be more of the pursuer, and and why. Sammy has helped more than 237 single clients get married and more than 300 partner clients to bring their marriages back from divorce just in the past five years. She lives in Germany with her husband and their two boys. Now, I know we have all different opinions when it comes to men and women and relationships. So I encourage you to listen to the show with an open mind and know that this is just one expert's opinion. You may not agree, but I really appreciated Sammy's perspectives. Here's Sammy Wunder. Sammy Wunder, welcome to So Money. It's great to have you on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And all the way from Germany, you started your company overseas and primarily helping professional, high achieving women find and keep love. Of course, money always finds its way into the relationship and it can convolute and complicate things. And this is your forte. And I want to learn all about your perspectives, given that you're so much in this space day in and day out, what you're hearing, what you're advising, what's working. But let's go back to your own personal journey, Sammy. And before we get to all of that great advice, what led you to Germany initially? What were your aspirations there?
1: So what led me to Germany was this really exciting scholarship that I got for my master's degree at the Hertie School of Governance in Berlin. I had the choice between working as a consultant for Ernst & Young or going to pursue my master's degree. And I decided going to pursue my master's degree is what I'm going to do. And Berlin sounded like a very exciting city. Um, I had a fully sponsored scholarship from the German government. And so for once, I didn't have to care about uh, money or you know take a loan to uh, pursue my higher education. And I thought that, yeah, it was really exciting at that point of time.
0: Ultimately, you got married in Germany. What was the dating scene like at that point? And what year was this?
1: Oh, my God. The dating scene was hard for me to start with. This was year 2010 when I came to Germany. Um, And I think as a traditional Indian woman at heart, um, I found it very tough uh, to date in Germany. Um, I felt like every man I met wanted me to split the bill 50-50 and... um, wanted to get into my pants. Um, And so I was, um, you know, I, I think I was in that phase in my life where I was still figuring out what I really wanted. And the more I dated, the more I got disillusioned. And the more I, I recognized that I did not want to be around men who did, who were not generous enough to even offer to pay for a woman um, on a date as strong and smart and successful as, as I was, I still Enjoyed, you know, being romanced and being courted. I realized that in the dating process, and um, yeah, I think I went through a lot of uh, struggle at the start, you know, figuring out what I really wanted in men. Why is this not working out for me? And I wasn't the only one. I had, I was surrounded by a cohort of absolutely gorgeous, intelligent, funny, really amazing women who were my friends and who were all in the same boat as me, where we just had all these men who wanted it easy and, uh, you know, didn't want to court a woman, didn't want to, you know, treat a woman um, with, you know, well, make effort. Make effort and put in hmm. put in the work. And Why
0: do you that- think, though, Sammy? Because I f- sometimes I wonder, like, not to put down men, right? Because they ultimately, I think, are getting mixed messages. Wouldn't you agree that... Splitting the bill, for example, well, isn't that a sign of you know equity right off the bat? They're introducing themselves as somebody who believes in equality or financial equality. Not everyone will agree to, on this, but I want to hear your perspective. You you say that there's a there's a place for equality in a relationship for sure to strive for that, but in romance, in the courtship. Not so much. So, so talk through your reasoning on that. Yes, absolutely.
1: I think uh, the dating scene is so hard for so many of us because men get a lot of mixed messages. So, I remember my husband Chris saying that he really loved it, that I just said, sure. He offered to pay for me, and I said, sure, of course, um, um, on the first date. And he found that extremely refreshing because he found it, he just found it nice. It wasn't to show that I couldn't do it for myself, but he wanted to do something for me. And he really appreciated the fact that he was sitting in front of a woman who could also receive from a man without feeling threatened that it took away her sense of independence and her um, strength in today's day and age. So I think uh, there are definitely a lot of mixed messages that men are getting and it makes them lazy. It makes them passive in the world of dating because if women are so determined to do, do it all, then men will usually allow you to do it all. It doesn't really foster connection and romance, but they will let you because it's convenient. And so a lot of women fall into the trap of you know, showing up in their uh, love lives and in dating in their empowered masculine energy, which is amazing. It's an amazing energy to have for your career. It's an amazing energy to go out there and make things happen, do organize, lead, plan, initiate. But when you approach romance with the same energy, um, you are going to attract men who are the polar opposite of that energy because attraction is based on the principles of polarity, which means that there's always going to be sexual tension between opposite energies. So if a woman is showing up in her masculine, she's going to attract men who are more in their passive, more lean back, more relaxed. And if a woman is showing up in her feminine, then she's going to be attracting men who are more, you know, in their empowered masculine energy. So I think the issue today is that women, we are feminists, we are strong. So am I. I mean, I'm, I'm also a feminist. I'm a CEO of a multi-seven figure company. I could possibly not, not be a feminist. So um, I think in the name of being feminist uh, and strong, I think a lot of us have just taken on too much burden and too much doing inside our relationships. We do at the workspace and then we go inside our relationships and we go inside dating and then we ask the men out, we initiate, we chase, we pay, we do all the hard work. And so I don't know if this has really made us win. And so the way I teach this to my high achieving clients is that if you wanna win at love, you want to bring the polar opposite energy uh, of feminine or feminine energy inside your relationship so that you can attract a man who is more the giving, doing, providing, investing types. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that that polarity is what makes romance uh, happen uh, equality, not so much. This is not to say that equality doesn't have a place inside romantic relationships. Of course, men and women are equal in the sense that, you know, we all get to be treated rightly and we all get to have the same choices and we all get to have a voice. But, you know, passion and romance, if you want to be thrown in your bed at night and made love to, and if you want him to bring you 200 roses, like Nick Jonas uh, got for Priyanka Chopra (laughs) when she was away from him, then we're not talking about equality because Um, that's... Yeah, that's more fun being functional. Equality is about being functional, whereas romance is about polarity. I can almost
0: sense some of the listeners, though, they're cringing. They're like, oh, this idea of feminine versus masculine energy. Can we just stop talking about that? You know, this idea of oh, women need to do this so that they can attract this kind of man and that people take issue with because it's like, why are we telling women to change? We need to tell, we need to address more of this to men if they're getting these mixed messages it shouldn't be the woman's job to cor- to sort of correct the record um but that said when i was writing my own book on this when she makes more the thing that i always had to sort of, I came up against was that I wanted so much for this insistence on equality in relationships. And, and certainly you can, that is important and we should work for that. But to your point, the romancing and the romancing, the dating, all of that, like the sexual aspect of this, the rules are very different. We sometimes want to take sort of like what works at work and bring it into our relationships. And that's not always the right recipe, at least is what you have said and so many relationship experts. So I have to start to defer to that a little bit because I'm not the relationship expert. Um, You mentioned you're an Indian woman and dating in Germany, um, presumably many European men. What were you looking for and how did that kind of sit with you culturally? How did you square that? Did you have conversations with your family about that? Like how influential was your upbringing in terms of what you were looking for in a, in a mate?
1: Yeah. I mean, before I think we speak about culture, I think we have to address the cringing a little bit because um, I think so many amazing women that I work with, um, you know, I work with celebrities, seven figure entrepreneurs. You know, I... I feel like this resistance to even listening to feminine energy at the first layer really keeps away so much magic from their lives. And they want to experience that magic, but at a mental level, they keep rejecting the masculine and feminine. And I really wanna emphasize that this isn't sexist. Both men and women have both masculine and feminine energies and men, when wherever they take coaching, because I don't coach men, I coach women, um, they are also taught how to connect more with their feminine so that they can also feel their feelings and not just always be in the masculine's headspace so i don't think this is about placing the blame on men or why should women do the work i think both parties should do the work and i work with women and i help them do the work and take ownership of their part in being able to create a really healthy passionate relationship now in terms of culture to be honest, I don't think that my culture um, influenced me so much because I did end up marrying a German Christian man. I'm, I'm a practicing Hindu. My husband is still a practicing Christian. Um, but yes, I did have values that told me or at least were modeled in my society that, you know, when men are serious about a woman, they if you like it put a ring on it don't just date around uh, forever you uh, and and so i rotationally dated what i call it and i said whenever men were asking me to be their girlfriend i said no i'm looking for a husband i did girlfriend boyfriend at university i'm over that phase i'm looking for a husband i'm looking for somebody who's st- willing to tell me that i'm their forever person not just their for now person and so this is all like really this was all really radical for my parents i didn't feel like it was important for them to know that I was doing this. But I remember having this conversation with Chris and he just couldn't sort of place this in his head. And he was like, what? You're traditional, but you don't want to be girlfriend. And that means you're going to see other people, which at the forefront appears very, you know, promiscuous and slutty. But rotational dating is not about rotational sleeping. It's just about having, you know, a lot of uh, connection dates, getting to know a lot of men and uh, really just not being press driven by men and keeping your options open till you have a man in your life that is on the same page with you, meets your standards, meets your meets your criteria, and is ready to give you the kind of commitment you want. So culturally, I would say I was very, I was more of a rebel. Um, Mm -hmm. I did my own thing. I went abroad. I rotational dated. But in my hearts of hearts, I always wanted marriage, family. And so I think I just had the strength to stand up for it and own it and uh, not mince my words around it. Good for
0: you. Well, let's talk about how to find a financially aligned partner. Even if you're making different types of money, different amounts of money, and perhaps even if you're the way you make that money is very different because that's also it can complicate relationships if you have a very high demanding job versus a job that is more straightforward. Maybe you have summers off, right? So, advice, modern day advice for men and women who are arriving in relationships still maybe even just dating, trying to figure out if this person is financially, can be financially aligned? Because it may, may not be right away, but is there potential here? What's your advice?
1: Great question. So I think with money, the most important thing is that you know, number one, what your desires and expectations from a partner are. So a lot of the times my high achieving clients, for example, don't really care that much if a man is making more than them or not, because they are financially sufficient themselves. For them, my advice is always to say, okay, you know, you must always think about a prenup, you know, because it's not about being fearful, it's about being smart, you know, relationships sometimes last, sometimes they don't. And so think about a prenup and think about, you know, the consequences of what your uh, wealth and, uh, you know, when both are Coming together, what it's going to look like. I think considering a prenup is really important. I think tip number two would be to see if your partner is generous with money around you. It doesn't really matter so much whether women are making more or men are making more. Sometimes you have men who are making far more than the woman, and they still tend to be stingy and controlling around money. So I Mm -hmm. tell my clients, you must uh, make sure that he has an energy of generosity towards how he treats you and how he spends on you. So that's number tip number two, like just, vetting for that energy, evaluating that energy. I think tip number three is to have open conversations about uh, dreams, desires, investments, uh, the future, especially before getting engaged to somebody. I think it's important to understand, you know, what their debt levels are, if they have some, you know, debt from university or credit card debts. I personally don't have a huge problem with debt. I think it's, it can be smart in certain situations, but I think this is more about transparency and more than anything, I think this is about the people in question for the bigger part, you know, agreeing with each other's money attitudes, because I think, uh, inside of relationships, um, money can be such a huge trigger. And what you want is somebody who's aligned and has similar values around money. It's not always about the quantities of money. It's about the way money is managed. It's about the way we worry about money. It's about the way we spend money. So having similar money attitudes and similar money values, I think can be incredibly helpful in having a more a relationship, which is uh, thriving. And also the money part is uh, thriving and not not in conflict zone.
0: I'm sure you run up against this a lot in your client practice. Uh, women who are successful and high achieving, who want their equal. And the definition of equal. Can be problematic. We want this person who has the same level of education, same kind of fancy job or fancy title, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's, it's all about sort of like the equality. It seems to focus more on the education and the career. What's unfortunate about that is that we often forget so many other ways that we can be equal that I think have more long term importance in a relationship. You know, your quality around, like you pointed out, your values, your goals. What is your advice? How would you advise women to go about thinking about finding their equal?
1: Okay, that's a really interesting question. So what comes to mind is that a lot of people today, of course, nobody does it intentionally, but a lot of people today do what I call ego dating which is, you know, more is always better. Equality is always makes at least as much money as I do or more drives at least the brand of car that I drive or better has a house at least as big as mine or bigger. I teach my clients that our sense of worthiness doesn't come from what we achieve and what the money we make and the successes we have, our sense of worthiness is infinite. It comes from, you know, this formless being, the spirit inside of us that is infinitely worthy. And so I think it's a little bit of a double standard when we go out there we expect that men should not choose women based on their looks and based on you know how, how great their bodies are, but women get to choose men based on how successful they are and how much money they make. So I think there's a little bit of hypocrisy going on there. And I think dating should not be about the ego. Dating should be about the connection of the heart. And sometimes a man may have a house that is smaller than yours or a car that is not BMW or Mercedes, but he may still be a great partner in the way he supports you with your career and the way he supports you with the kids, with the chores. Um, I always talk about how Chris is, uh, you know, there was a time when I was a housewife in Paris when we were living in Paris and Chris was the main provider, so to speak, you know, he was working at the European Space Agency. And today I'm running a multi-seven figure empire and he's the one, you know, helping me with the kids and the chores. I mean, the fact that I can sit here and talk to you, he's taken over, you know, our two small children. So I think um, it's important that we value these contributions on both sides. In the 1950s, the women were doing this and they were not getting respect and acknowledgement for it. And today, a lot of men are doing it and they're willing to do it but they're not being respected and acknowledged for it it's almost like oh like you don't make the seven figures i make and so you're not good enough and worthy enough so i think we have to get out of this trap of ego dating and really seek partnership at a heart level
0: Housewife in Paris. That sounds pretty, um, pretty cool for a while there, <laughs> you know, while, like I mean, yeah, long term, but that's basically like an extended vacation in uh, a beautiful city. What What were your days like? So, oh,
1: I was um, shopping and, uh, you know, going out to <laughs> I mean, this and- is
0: why, I'm sorry, but this is why I think, I mean, I watch it on this, the media does not help either, right? It glorifies this traditional relationship, this idea of like the man taking care of the woman, the woman. I'm watching on HBO right now. Uh, but one of the really, one of the couples is a man who makes a lot of money. And he's because his father made, you know, has runs a business and he's taking on that business. He's in real estate. His bride is a struggling journalist. And he's like, why do you even want to work? I can provide. Even his mother is telling her daughter in law, like, why are you pursuing these? Poor paying jobs. And they're not understanding that she actually wants to, you know, make something of herself that is beyond just being Mrs. So and so. There are people who wonder, there are some people who wonder, like, why would you want to work? Right. If you can be with somebody who provides for you and my gosh, you could be shopping all day. And do you see how that is problematic? That narrative is has yet to go away. We still glorify that in in some in some circles.
1: I think that's really sad, and I just want to highlight the fact that I – I mean it's beautiful to see in how many ways my marriage is so equal and yet has a lot of polarity in it because back then it wasn't it wasn't that I was ashamed of being a housewife because I did not like put all these bad meanings to it I knew I would make something of my life and and my brains and that I wasn't going to be that way forever and my man had my back and today you know the tables have turned around uh, a little bit because he still has a great job but it's it's not the whole point of it I mean I think we both, pursued our passions. We both have a voice. We both have each other's backs when needed. So if Chris needed me tomorrow, you know, I would be there. I wouldn't hide under the, under the gob of, um, you know, I'm in a polarity relationship, so I will never support my man. I don't think this is about that. I think this is about being too fully realized, human beings, individuals inside a relationship and at the same time, respecting the fact that men and women are biologically differently wired and respecting those differences um, with bringing in the masculine and the feminine in our relationship. So Chris, even though I'm the boss babe, Chris is totally the leader, you know, the masculine giver, doer, provider in the relationship because of just how much he shows up in the relationship. He's not lazy, you know, contribution is not just through money, contribution can be through effort, through through you know helping the uh, helping with the chores in the household, taking care of the car, or the garden, you know all of those things. You know Chris contributes uh, so majorly, and he's he's not passive. Um, so yeah, I think there is there is just so much beauty inside of uh, relationships where there is polarity. There is a smart, attractive, intelligent woman, and yet she's in her feminine energy, and she's not devoid of success or intelligence. She's just successful, intelligent, and in her feminine energy. And I think it's beautiful to watch. And when you see these examples, um, uh, you you can just totally see that, you know, the man is feeling like a man around this woman. The woman is comfortable. She can receive from the man. And I think it just unlocks a whole new level of magic inside our relationships when we stop resisting the polarity. Law.
0: You mentioned earlier on about how you were very firm and committed to the values that you wanted to have portrayed in your relationship and the kind of partner that you wanted and you weren't going to compromise. And you were in some ways very lucky in that Chris entered your life and you recognized him and saw who you wanted in him and it worked. But so many people are single well into their 40s because they kept being really insistent upon their sort of requirements. And so my question is, is it worth waiting and not getting married potentially because you've yet to find that person? You might you might even say you're not looking in the right places. You might have some strategies about how to sort of get there sooner. But, you know, I have friends who are in approaching 50 and never married. Um, they love their lives. They're very happy. They're very fulfilled. But they all they, there's a part of them that wonders, like, what did I do wrong that I didn't find a partner? And what would you say to them?
1: Well, I never like to tell women they did something wrong. That's why they don't have a partner. I think... Um, What really helps is honestly to hire a mentor or a coach who shows you, you know, what your, you know, where the gaps are for you. Every, every woman is different, every person is different. But what I have seen for my high achieving clients is I see two ends of the spectrum. So I either see um, one end of the spectrum, the woman who just tolerates really bad behavior, really gets treated like crap and sort of keep, puts up with it and is really settling for somebody far less than what she deserves. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I have you know clients who are so fearful of being with the wrong person that they set the bar so high that only a superhuman can meet those criteria, so to speak. So I think there is uh, magic in finding the golden middle where you know what you want. So. For example, in our in my course Elevate, which is like a six months coaching program for high achieving women who are looking to find the pers- right person for them, or, and also uh, for married women who are looking to bring the spark back, we teach women how to identify their deal breakers, which is what are the two qualities I will just not tolerate in a man. So for example, some people say, I will, I don't want somebody who does drugs, or I don't want a man who is a workaholic, for example, you know, I just can't take it that he never has time for the relationship. And then you identify two of your non-negotiables, which is your must haves, you know, so that you never feel like you're settling. So funnily enough, my must haves were <laughs> tall and blue eyes. And I got tall and blue eyes because that was like my must have, like he must have this so that I never feel like I'm settling. And beyond that, I think we have minimum standards, which is okay, you know, should have minimally a college degree, but then you also stop there. I think what's important is to see that people are still imperfect. They can possess your deal breakers and uh, they can possess your non-negotiables and meet your minimum minimum standards. And still you will find that they are not perfect and they don't meet every criteria on Mm -hmm. your checklist. And that's where I think women have to learn how to accept and embrace imperfection. And I always tell my clients, you know, just look at your own imperfections and love yourself for your own imperfections. You don't, I'm I'm a short five feet, two inches tall woman, you know, I don't look like Angelina Jolie. So I think I'm realistic about who I am. I love myself. I, I know I'm worthy and yet I know that I'm imperfect and not everything about me is, you know, a hundred percent on the checklist. And I think similarly, you have to find a partner where most of the criteria are met, feel good, but then you also have to let go of the small things that are, mm. you know, imperfections.
0: The apps will sure make you think that Mr. Perfect is, <laughs> is there, right? So brings us to this idea of, you know, how to find the person. So I was just Talking to John Berger, who's an author, and he's written about relationships. He, I think, his book complements a lot of what we're saying. His book, his latest book, is called "Make Your Move," and he believes that dating apps are terrible. He would much prefer that we go back into the real world, maybe even where we work, which is a little controversial to find love, um, or a lot controversial. But he is not a fan of the apps because he thinks that it creates this sort of disposable aspect to people that you can just sort of like, and it is about, you know, I have a friend who is looking to get married and he's late, he's in his forties and he's like, all right, I got to work the apps. I just got to have like a rotating date nights, you know? And I do see the Merit in that, you know, you have to get out there, but at the same time, do the apps sort of give us an an opportunity to dismiss somebody because we know there's going to be someone right behind them? More quickly, we dismiss
1: people. I think there's. I think it depends on the level of awareness with which you're online dating. I'm a huge fan of online dating apps personally, and uh, my clients have seen excellent results with it. So we've had over 250 clients get engaged in the last five years. A lot of them have found their husbands on Tinder, for God's sake, and these are wonderful men. So I think it's about you as you have to be an aware dater, you have to know what you're doing. I think, I think people who quickly dismiss other people should become more aware as daters and understand that they may have some intimacy fears going on, or they may actually be afraid of uh, getting afraid when a relationship starts to get real or when a guy really likes them. So I think this is about aware dating. And for me personally, my clients see great success with online dating, but how, ha- I mean, I, I think organic dating should be, a woman should be organically dating all the time, right? Like women, you need to step out and you need to shine your light. And there are men and opportunities everywhere, especially for my high achieving clients. You know, they meet men in the uh, business lounges at the airport. They meet men, you know, when they're having a conference in a five-star hotel, and then they're sitting, you know, by themselves uh, writing notes at the end of the long conference day, and they're wearing this pretty dress and the guy walks up to them. So I think opportunities are everywhere for organic dating as well. So organic dating should be done all the time and online dating should be done intentionally and with awareness. And I think again, with online dating, it's like a huge topic because it triggers so many people. And so many people say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go online. And I have this client who is at a top level executive at the NYSE. And she came to me and she said, I don't want to online date. And I said, I cannot work with you if you do not want to online date, because it's the fastest way to meet your soulmate. And one year later, now, after working together, she's uh, about to get engaged with a guy uh, who is, uh, who's, I mean, she's never been treated better than how he treats her. And then she met him on one of the apps? I think she met him on Bumble. Yes, she met him on Bumble. Yeah. So, and this woman, she's had two failed marriages in the past and she was totally shut down to online dating. So I think it, it depends on the mindset we have around these things. You, Of course, there are scammers on it as well. But those kind of people exist in the real world as well. Right. So. um What you have on the online world is just a reflection of what's there in the real world. There are good people and there are not that great people. And I think Mm -hmm. when you're looking to attract your partner and you know what you want and you know how to search the criteria and you know how to show up with a cracking profile and cracking photos, I don't see why women will not succeed with this forum. Gives you so much choice and choice is empowerment.
0: Sammy Wonder, thank you so much, listeners. If you are looking for love and want some support, I highly encourage you to check out Sammy's work and her programs at Sammy Wonder. And Sammy has a special gift for our listeners. Tell us about it, please.
1: Yes, thank you so much. I'm so excited. I have a special gift. It's a 50 minute training called Lean In at Work, Lean Back in Love. And it's all about showing strong, successful women who are killing it. the workplace how they can also kill it at love by embodying their feminine energy because most of my high achieving clients are able to you know they've got the masculine energy piece knocked down but feminine energy unlocking is the hard part for them so this is where this training is going to help them and the second gift which is also free for your audience, is surprising top 10 scripts to get men to do anything you want them to do. So that's a bold claim. And uh, (laughs) a lot of my clients say, I love this idea of feminine energy, but I don't even know what words to use how to, language is in, important yes how to inspire him to uh, step up and take charge how to inspire him to be my hero so that i can lean back and you know he can be in charge so that pdf guide you know gives you scripts my top 10 scripts on sex money Whoa. intimacy diffusing tension so go ahead and grab it it's just for you ladies
0: and we'll put that link in our show notes thank you so much Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Sammy for joining us. To receive her free gifts, her free resources for us, for So many listeners, head over to somoneypodcast.com. We've got all of those links for you. And be sure to send me your questions for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. You can direct message me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi, or you can go to the So Money podcast website and click on Ask Farnoosh. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money.